Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 317. And on this show, we're calling it the calm before the storm. Basically, we got nine days until the Fantasy Football 2018 NFL season is underway. And God damn it, that makes me excited. Uh, makes the guys that I've got on our uh, Uber conference remotely um, excited as well. I got our boy Stag Party in the mix. And then we also got Wheeler joining us today, which is super awesome. Um, he kind of jumped on. Uh, I sent him a, a, a tweet a couple hours ago, maybe even less. And it was like, hey, you want to join us? He's like, for sure. So always pumped to have you and talk to you. Uh, talk to you about fantasy football, and I'm not sure we've ever had a show with both of you guys on it, right? Uh, I think this is a That's first good. time for everything. There we go. There we go. So essentially on this show, um, we're going to be dropping the goo, giving you the knowledge, uh, and essentially we're just kind of going to talk about a number of topics uh, here as, as you're winding down. And, uh, you know, some, t- some people have finished their drafts. A lot of people are drafting this weekend to get as much um, as much time uh, between the preseason games and the start of the season to uh, help alleviate too, drafting too many guys that then get injured. Uh, so the first topic, we're going to talk about updated player news, kind of week three preseason findings. Uh, then we're going to go in and we're going to discuss some uh, players and uh, league winner type players, talk about some sleepers, some deep sleepers, do some late round gems. Uh, and just talk about some players and just have a fantasy football discussion. We'll also be throwing out some busts here and there and, um, you know, just just having a good time. So I think in general, um, you know, the week three games are done. Uh, it's kind of the closest thing you're going to get uh, in the preseason to seeing what the real games are going to be like. Um, obviously, there's a, a lot of takeaways that you could see from those games last week. Um Anything that stands out to you, that to you guys? I mean, I can I can bring up some topics, and then we can go to free form. Um, you know, Foles looked like literally garbage. Looked like he probably should have retired a year and a half ago. Um, what, what was his stat line? He had um, he had two interceptions, three sacks, a safety, and a lost fumble. I think a lot of that had to do with the uh, left tackle being out, and he didn't have any of his starting receivers with him either. So, so you're I'm going to cut him some. I'm going to cut yeah, him some real, slack on that, but yeah, the real big news, I guess, not having those receivers is Alshon Jeffrey uh, reported today. You know, Alshon Jeffrey expected to be out for at least two weeks of the regular season. Uh, so that is the you know, big thing, and you're going to have to bump up Nelson Aguilar a few spots because of it. Uh, and maybe a guy like, you know, Mike Wallace gets a few more looks in his stead. And, you know, without the surety of Carson Wentz week one, no Alshon, you know, Zach Ertz is starting to look like a guy who's even more solid in that third round, even even though D- D-Rex is probably going to mention him as a bust here a little bit later. I won't. I won't. I've had I've had my fill on him. Um, I, I think uh, that's a good point. I mean, you know, they keep saying on Friday, on Friday, uh, you know, Peterson's going to announce whether it's Wentz or whether it's Foles. 
Is there any way that Wentz gets the nod on week one? You know, he's sort of, they say he's limping around a little bit, um, but other people you hear on Twitter, people are making their hot takes that they think all along they knew that Wentz was going to be back. What are your guys' take? Wheeler, um, is Wentz going to be a go week one, or do you think they're going to be smart and just roll with foals, let let the knee heal a little bit, not uh, not uh, throw it to risk? I mean, I I, I think they should be smart with it you know i wouldn't start them until probably week three depending on how week one goes but uh full you know Foles has done well under pressure you know he hasn't done well in preseason at all but you know the the wentz injury it usually takes a year to come back from and he heard that relatively late in the season so i'd give him a couple extra weeks i mean that's going to be your franchise quarterback so it just makes sense to sit him for a couple games yeah, along those lines, if Carson Wentz is cleared by the doctors, though, which he hasn't been to this point, like the second he's cleared is the second he's playing. Uh, you know, he is your future, but also, you know, the Super Bowl hangover thing has been uh, a lingering issue for some teams. So let's see uh, if they can assert themselves, and they might want to do that. But I'm not saying that he's going to be there week one. It could be a week two, but there is no certain time frame as of yet. It's basically when he gets cleared by the docs, that guy's ready to go. Totally. Um, well, let's move on to another guy, Adrian Peterson. Got you know signed by Washington once um, Geese went down and um, guys went down and uh, actually put up some, some, some nice numbers the other night. What are uh, stags? I'll let you kind of drop it first. I know that um, Adrian Peterson isn't your favorite guy at the late, this later point in his career, but uh, when you're thinking about it and going into drafts and going into the season, could he be a viable um, running back and the guy that the owners want on their team? I mean, I think it's a little bit of he's the only guy there with, with proven, but – I think the problem is it actually changes the team too much. Now they're, you know, when Adrian Peterson's on a team, you saw them committing to him. You saw them like running a fullback in front of him and going under center and like running on first and 10, which is something they did a lot last season. And it just sort of forces you into this having to run this style of offense. Cause you have Adrian Peterson in his name back there. Meanwhile, the defense is stacking the box for you. Uh, but, you know, his lack of versatility doesn't allow you to, you know, run the play action pass uh, and, and throw dump off screens to the running back on first and second down. So it, it's a little bit of a trap. But, you know, as an RB3 or depth piece, if you're looking for a guy who's, you know, probably going to be there for the first couple weeks of the season, I think he's there. But people, people with AP always seem to pay too high of a price. If I'm getting them in the double digit rounds, I'm fine with it, but if I'm if I have to pay a premium, it's just not going to happen for me. What do you think, Wheeler? I totally I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, in fact, I was watching a little bit of the game and I noticed the fullback was in. I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. But um, yeah, I, I I've been getting them uh, the past couple of drafts in the 14th round, so I, I don't mind grabbing them there. You know, as a dart throw for sure. Um that Washington O-line is healthy and uh, even Samaj P. Ryan looked good when he was running the ball or on his 
big run. Um, I was really getting excited for P Ryan to step up and uh, show us what he's got, but uh, I don't know. It's going to be a mess. Uh, he had fresh legs coming into that game too. So as soon as he starts to wear down a little bit, week in, week out, there's no way Peterson's going to last the whole season. So yeah, if you want somebody for the first couple of weeks, maybe, you know, get you through the first year of bye weeks or whatever. Um, sure, but uh, don't spend any money on them. <laughs> um, all right, I love it. Uh, Manuel Sanders, we're just going to bounce around position and games and um, just kind of hot, hot information. Emmanuel Sanders looked like friggin', uh, I don't even know who he looked like. He looked like uh, a throwback uh, for sure. He looked better than any Emmanuel Sanders I can ever remember. He was all over the place. Uh, end arounds that no, he looked like he was untackleable. This is a little guy catching uh, nice passes and um, all over the place. With Case Keenum and him looking like they've got a nice little connection. Uh, Wheeler, I'll let you kind of drop in on this first. Is Emmanuel Sanders moving up for you a little bit after seeing that little glimmer of hope where maybe after an offseason um, he was where he's been kind of banged up? I think he was moving down some people's uh, tiers and rankings a little bit. After seeing that, do you think the connection with him and Keenum could could be uh, you know almost even better than some of those digs opportunities that he had last year with the Vikings? Yeah, I mean they're sliding him into the slot. I think they had him there sixty two percent of the snaps when Keenum was in this week. So and you know Keenum loved the slot receiver in Minnesota. So I I see big things happening for him. He's definitely moved up my ranks considerably. And uh, I started scooping them up here and there where I could. Um, They also got that that rookie, Sutton, that's looking good. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, I I would imagine that uh, Sanders is going to get 120 targets, maybe more. I mean, if they pepper him like that. And as soon as they do, you know what it threw me back to when I was watching that was just watching like – Brady and Edelman when Edelman goes off all of a sudden in three or four series in a row. And it's just like Brady's just peppering him the ball. Um, yeah. And big things could and should happen with those receivers and, and Keenum coming in. So uh, I'm expecting good things from Sanders for sure. Yeah. I think he's an upside wide receiver three. Uh, I think people are getting him at a pretty good price right now. He's the, uh, 82nd player overall, according to Fantasy Pros consensus ADP, wide receiver 33, uh, going after you know Sammy Watkins, Will Fuller. Uh, I think if you're paying you know that sort of price and you want the projectable you know wide receiver three, and you don't want this maybe shoot for the stars, shoot for the moon type of player, Emmanuel Sanders is one of those guys that you could slot in for 120, 125 targets. He's going to come through for you, and you know, playing in the slot is going to be good for him PPR wise, uh, especially when he has that you know connection with Keenum. So uh, I agree with a lot of the points you say there. I like him. He has been moving up my ranks a little bit more. Uh, it just sort of depends on my team makeup if he's going to end up on it, um, and that's my totally overall thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, all right, so what's going on over there? Uh, in um, with uh, Ronald Jones, um, you hear a lot of people uh, kind of down on him, and uh, he's a guy that I actually kind of earmarked a little bit with uh, in the bust category. Um, in the preseason, he had 18 carries for 18 yards. Um, 
What what and I know Stag Party, you're getting uh, you're pretty psyched on another running back down there in, in um, Tampa Bay. Tell us a little bit about that. What are your thoughts on um, on Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones? Is this just uh, going to be a mess for him all year, or is he just kind of learning the ropes and maybe um, like other rookies in the past, you know, he'll kind of get get his grips with the game at the NFL level and be fine by, you know, a little bit deeper into the season halfway through or week five or so. What are your thoughts on Tampa Bay uh, situation right now? All right. So let me start like this. I really liked Ronald Jones as a prospect. I don't like Ronald Jones's fit as a prospect with Tampa Bay. Like the way you wanted Ronald Jones to be used is maybe like in a Kyle Shanahan outside zone stretch system with, you know, a pretty good offensive line in front of him because Ronald Jones doesn't have the best vision in the class, uh, as, as you could say. Uh, Peyton Barber is a guy, you know, people call him a journeyman, but he's still a young player. And, like, the journeyman label's completely wrong. This is a guy who would have been so much more hyped had he not left school early. Uh, but you know, he had to do it for financial reasons. So man, go get your money. Like, I'm not going to sit here and stop you. He's grown as a player. You've seen him add, you know, the pass catching to his game a little bit. He's a bruiser at 225 pounds. Uh, and you know, when they hit him in the backfield and they hit him with that arm tackle, he's busting out of it. Ronald Jones is not at this point. Uh, you know, Barber's work in the preseason has been great. They even took him out of that game last Friday night in order to protect him after he, you know, scored early in that game. It, it was, you know, this guy needs to be drafted before Ronald Jones in, you know, all leagues. Like, in redraft leagues, it should be Peyton Barber, then the shot on Ronald Jones. But it's not just because of this draft capital, you know, mistakenly or not. Yeah, right now you look at – uh you know, fantasy football calculator. And I'll, I'll pull it up from fantasy, um, fantasy pros just because they cover a number of uh, the, the ADP and mock sites, including fantasy football calculator here in a minute. But Peyton Barber right now is sitting at uh, – he's the, he's the 34th uh, running back right now, um, ADP. So that's, uh, that's actually – looks like he is – he's higher than Ronald Jones at this point. So – the move and all the news and people not buying into the Ronald thing has, has changed. Maybe in real drafts, that's not the case. But Peyton Barber, actually, when I was looking at it, Stag Party, I thought he'd be a little bit lower than that. So I think people are, are buying into this um, his, his potential. I, I'm, yeah, I'm going off of NFL 10's ADPs and then uh, fantasy, football, or fantasy Pro's ADP, the consensus. And there has not been a time when Ronald Jones – has been drafted lower in like MFL tens. And that's, I, I think following where, you know, people who have been drafting since March is much better than following fantasy football calculator where people make three picks to see what they end up with and then just leave the draft. I agree with you. I did, to be honest, to, to prove your point, I did. So today I basically did a mock draft on um, calculator um, started, got the first round done. The pick was coming back to my second one. Just I know I got my, uh, my, my draft position today and I just wanted to see what was going on with it. And then in the, and then my phone rang and it was a business call and I missed the next two rounds. And then I was on auto draft. Cause so totally makes sense. 
uh, I completely agree with you. So I'm, I'm on fantasy pros now on that ADP consensus. Uh, so I'll, I'll be running from there. Let's talk about um, obviously a huge injury that happened the other day. I, I want to get some information from you. Marquise Lee out for the season. Um, you know, the defender kind of said, hey, the reason why I had to go low is because I was trying not to hit him with my head. So it's like the first injury that people are almost or people are saying that that injury happened because of these helmet rules and the, all this impossible um, new rules that they've got to uh, with tackling and all the different penalties you can get. Uh, as a result of this, he's gone for the season. Who are you guys? And I'll let you go first, Wheeler. Who are you feeling is going to be rise to the top? Who's going to be out of that kind of uh, all these just guys at wide receiver, whether it's Cole, whether it's, um, you know, D.D. Westbrook, Bobby's got Moncrease over there now. Who do you guys think uh, kind of gets the best situation uh, because Marquise went down? I, I think Keelan Cole is basically his direct replacement. Um, in the games <clears throat> that Lee was out last year, and I know his small sample size. In fact, I even posted that on Twitter the other day. But in the games Lee was out, <clears throat> he gets like 12 more PPR points per game. Um, he ends up seeing the bulk of Lee's absent targets, and I, I think that should stay. I mean, he, I believe Lee works out of the slot more often than not. Um, I'll double-check that. But it, they they have generally the same build, they, they're generally the same skills. <clears throat> and uh, I just think uh, Keelan Cole now has the opportunity and targets to go with. Um, I, I see Moncrief as being – basically an end zone target like he was in uh, Indianapolis. And, you know, he's a big, he can be a possession receiver, but, uh, and D.D. Westbrook is more that uh, throw it deep guy um, that's going to jump up and get the ball. But uh, I, I definitely see Keelan Cole picking up most of the lead targets. What are you feeling? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've always thought Cole was better than Lee anyways, so might as well now get a chance to see it. Uh, you know, Cole is a mostly slot player, as you mentioned, but he also has uh, a special skill set, which is to vertically stretch the field out of the slot. And that's something that, you know, Blake Bortles does. Blake Bortles likes to take shots down the field. So him and Didi are going to provide some splash plays this season. Uh, Dante Moncrief's also another guy who's been lauded for a size-speed ratio. But I think at this point, I'm just beyond uh, you know, trying to project the games that he's really going to go off. I think one of the bigger beneficiaries, though, overall, could be ASJ. Um, and just see those short underneath targets that Lee you know, was accustomed to seeing. So I think he gets an uptick along with Cole. Uh, and, and as well as those running backs could probably see it a little more, uh, especially, you know, the backup uh, counterparts in Corey Grant and TJ Yeldon. You know, the one thing that I was surprised with last year was uh, just the fact that uh, D.D. Westbrook, um, you know, he's a rookie last year. Um, in, in just seven games, he had 51 targets. Um, now, I kind of agree with the Cole take. I think he's he, he was great last year. He just looks like he, he can get it done on a week-to-week basis. But I think Bortles obviously has some sort of um, respect or really likes looking um, looking at, at Westbrook. I mean, that's that's seven games, 51 targets, your rookie season. Um, 
uh, you know, kind of a, I forget what round he was. He was taken out of uh, Oklahoma, um, well, the fourth round. So high in the fourth round. So I, I was just surprised by that. So it, 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 there's a lot of opportunities there. It's, I feel bad for Marquise. He went down, but um, you know, the, the Bortles, Bortles is going to wing it around. So one of those guys, again, we don't know which one it is quite yet, but one of those guys is going to be in for a, a surprising season, I think. Uh, it'll be exciting. I, I I agree with Staggs. ASJ is probably going to pick up a lot of those targets as well. Uh, I've been on ASJ since the beginning of the year. Um, I think I have him on like 40% of my best ball teams or something re- absolutely ridiculous. Like I've purposely been skipping draft and I'm trying not to. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have him on so many teams, I got to stop. I just um, can't, but... <laughs> can't stop drafting this guy. <laughs> Let's go to another uh, another squad that's kind of a free-for-all at the wide receiver position. Amendola um, had a nice touchdown, um, kind of had some uh, had a nice play uh, in the game last uh, last week. Um, you know, you got Amendola there, you got Devonta Parker, you got Albert Wilson. Um, is there anything to make of this wide receiver uh, crew? Are you? I, I know I've said I've, I've, I've asked Stags this before, so we'll let um, you know we'll let you go first, Wheeler. Is there anyone there? They're all going pretty. Pretty late. Their their ADPs. I mean, obviously, Amendola's ADP is uh, deep in the teens, um, and you see Devonta Parker's free falling and swanking fast, and Albert Wilson's not respected either. Is there anyone there that you think can surprise? I've been going with uh, Stills, and if I can't get him, just grab Albert Wilson super late. Um, I've never really been a Parker believer, even though his per game averages for the first, I think, six to eight games were wide receiver three type numbers. You know, they were adequate. He wasn't killing you, but he certainly wasn't helping you. Um, I just I I don't believe they really want him in Miami at this point. You know, uh, apparently he hasn't been putting forth a great effort. So I, I've been fading Parker all along. Um and Amendola is just to me, he's a little too old and he, he, he'll have a great three or four games, but then you won't hear from him for seven or eight, uh, whether he's healthy or not. So, um, Albert Wilson coming over from KC, they paid him almost twice as much as Amendola, um, or for an extra year or something. Um, and I just think his athletic ability, if you look at his, uh, profile, I'll, I'll look at it again. It's been a while but I believe his athletic profile and player profiler is through the roof. Let me just check it again. But um, yeah, so if I can't get stills in that, you know, ninth to 11th round range, uh, I've been going Wilson late. Yeah, I've got, I've got stills myself. Uh, I, I, I forgot to preface him and put him out there, but he's my highest ranked uh, wide receiver for the Dolphins on my latest tiers as well. Stags, you got any any love for any of these guys? Is, is one of these guys going to be kind of the, one of those little sleeper um, late round picks for you that you think uh, if it, it, it could pay off? Or are you all off Miami? I, I'm off Miami, but I do take some shots of stills in that sort of mid to double digit uh, rounds. Uh, if I have to take a receiver late, and I've been taking you know doing twenty round drafts, uh, you know all off seasons, that means Albert Wilson has been a guy in the 18th to 20th round 
uh, that I've taken. You know, he's he's got a size speed combo. They paid him a decent chunk of money. Uh, Amendola's really never stayed healthy for a significant chunk of his, you know, of a season. So, you know, what uh, he could do out of the slot or outside, Albert Wilson can just do a little bit of everything. And, you know, with a banged up, uh, with a banged up Devontae Parker already who can't catch a ball, neither because of his finger nor because of it. Uh, you know, it just lines up good things. Cool. Well, uh, quickly while we're on this team, um, you've got currently right now, Kenyon Drake is the 19th uh, running back going off the board. Uh, obviously they brought in Frank Gore. Is there, are you guys comfortable with the Kenyon Drake this year? Or do you, are you staying away? Do you think, you think Kenyon Drake can, can kind of, uh, surprise and continue this progression into his uh, second season. He had some great moments last year. Um, Stags, I'll let you kind of start. And then um, if you want want to pounce on top of it, if if he just sucks and you're staying away from a running back on that team, uh, say so. But do you like Kenyon Drake? No, I've started. I didn't like Kenyon Drake early in the offseason, but his price has simmered a little bit. Uh, it, It, you know, in real drafts, like I've done in my redraft leagues last weekend, uh, his price was not quite as high as it is in like MFL 10s. It wasn't in the third round, so I was able to get Kenyon Drake a little bit later. Uh, and at that point, I'm a lot more comfortable with it. Uh, so that's that's the major thing is I like him enough as a player. I just don't know if I always like the price. What about you, Wheeler? Yeah, I could. I totally agree with that 100%. I literally have none of them in over 100 drafts, but it's because he's too expensive. If he were to drop into the fifth round, I would definitely consider him. But going in the third, no way. Third round. I just thought I saw those glimpses in that game against the Ravens where it's like he ripped off a nice long run, and then I'm pretty sure in that same round he had a nice long catch, both over 30 yards, and you're just like, Man, this guy's good. Um, I don't like the team, but there's something about this guy. I think he's a. I think he's a, a really good football player. Um, cool. Well, uh, let me quickly. We're gonna do a, a live read here, uh, and uh, for uh, keep the keep the lights on. And um, pretty excited this year. We're gonna be doing a little uh, sponsorship with Squad QL. Um, and here we go. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? We'll look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You you may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, and your league scoring system. Then SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings, which I think is incredible. SquadQL is truly your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to SquadQL.com, that's S-Q-U-A-D-Q-L.com, to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. 
You can also download RotoQL for free from both Apple and Android. So check those things out. RotoQL, I actually have used that in the past for um, DFS. And now with SquadQL, they've offered up a new app that is optimizing your redraft and your season-long leagues. Check that stuff out. They're making a big push this season. Why not? Give yourself a shot. It could help you make the right pickup, make make the right lineup uh, decision. And even uh, on top of that, it could help you uh, figure out a trade that you could make with someone else. So pretty cool. Why not have another little smart guy in the room to help you out? So let's go back to some uh, some preseason action. Let's just talk. I, I guess I'm talking about some shitty teams, but I think that's good just because we can sit here and talk about the first uh, rounders and the tier one and tier two guys all all we want. But um, let me go to the Jets. Sam Darnold, is he getting the starting gig? Uh, is Bridgewater getting traded? Is uh, McCown? What, what, what happens there? And if Sam Darnold does get the gig, what does that mean for some of the other specialty players? This is a team you just made all together. Uh, I'll let you go first, Wheeler. Um, I've been staying away from the Jets for the most part, except for uh, maybe some Robbie Anderson here or there. Um, <clears throat> I did like, uh, uh, what the heck is his name? Uh, the running back that went down. I can't Elijah McGuire? Yeah, I liked him late, but uh, with him going down, I'm not sure when he's coming back. The quarterback situation, I'm not sure of. Uh, I would the Jets aren't going anywhere, so they might as well throw in Darnold at this point. Um, I was thinking McCown would get another year. I liked him last year, but uh, if if Darnold is actually doing what he needs to do, go ahead and throw him in there. Uh, if they were in a position where you know they might compete, I would say give Bridgewater a shot. Yeah, they're better off trading them for sure. Um, they're trying to get market value for him at this point, but I, you know, you don't see many teams try to pick up a quarterback a week before the season starts. So I, I, they're going to have a hard time getting rid of him unless they showcase him. So, yeah, my overall so thought is like, hey, you start the season with Teddy Bridgewater. If he starts lighting it up, uh, you know, you can put out those feelers, see, you know, who loses a guy to injury. Uh, and then maybe you can get a, you know, a little bit of a price premium that you're not getting right now. Uh, but Sam Darnold, you know, he's done everything he's had to. He's been, he hasn't been attacking the field vertically or anything just yet. He hasn't been on the same page with some of his receivers, but, you know, his second level progressions and his mo- moving his eyes to move safeties in, in a sort of, you know, calm and cool and that, you know, sidestep in the pocket has all been there. So he's he's done everything he's had to, but even if he's, you know, a, a starter week one or week six, he's going to be one of the starting QBs, you know, since the merger. So there's not a real, you know, emphasis to rush it. You, you've got time with, with one of the younger drafted QBs, especially over the last, you know, five to seven years. Yeah, people are you're, you're worried about stunting his growth, and in in all honesty, I, I kind of want to see how he if they do start him, how that would affect a Robbie Anderson, how that does bring a Nunwa and some of the other guys into the mix. If that's a better thing, but maybe it's not, you know. And you're, you're not 
unless you're in a rookie league or a dynasty league, Sam Darnold is not a redraft guy that you're worried about this year. Um, let's talk about the most exciting quarterback uh, going into his second season. Obviously, the Chiefs saw enough from him in practices and in uh, you know week 17 last year where they threw him into the fire um, to know that Patrick Mahomes II uh, just had that something special, uh, that gunslinger uh, mentality. And it's at the very beginning of training camps, everyone's like, this guy doesn't know the plays. This, But in these preseason games, it's just kind of like street friggin' ball with him, Favre style, and it just looks exciting. When you've got all that weaponry with him, what are your, what are your takes? I've been kind of high on Patrick Mahomes. I think he's been in my uh, 12, 11, 10 zone for quarterbacks for a while. Just on the what if. You know, you people say late round QB and you, you can stream QBs. I'm willing to take that guy. And if it's just out of the gates, they're just winging it and chucking it and everything's going great. He's already on your team. And if not, who cares? There's so many great quarterbacks out there. Um, it's not that big of a deal. Are you guys super excited about him? Is he moving up for you? Is that whole offense uh, a buzz in, 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 on your end? Or is this just kind of preseason? I'll let, um, yeah, I think, I'll let you go for it. I want to let you. I want to let – I should tell which guy to start or you guys both talk at the same time. My bad there. Um, go for it, Stag Party. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes – I love the player. You know, I think he was my QB one last year. I wanted him over Trubisky as a Bears fan. Uh, so it, this depends on the style of league that you're playing, right? Like, I'm not going to take Patrick Mahomes as my QB one in a regular redraft league, even if he's, you know, maybe my last pick and I didn't even draft somebody else. Uh, I just much rather take a guy like, you know, Luck or Rivers or Roethlisberger really late in a draft and see that. Um, you know, there is opportunity to draft Cart, um, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, I'd like to miss two week, two uh, second QB in best balls, but it, it just depends on style. Um, you know, Andy Reid's a coach who typically doesn't run a lot of plays, plays it tight to the vest, can – you know, they, they call him a pass-happy coach, but he just sucks, you know, some of the pace out of the game that Mahomes does might not get a giant workload. Or that defense could suck so fucking bad. Uh, they can get destroyed by the Bears' second-team offense, and they could just let him go Texas Tech air raid style and throw 600 passes this season, sort of like Carson Wentz did uh, in his you know, rookie year. So I, I think he's got a lot of upside. It's just right now the unknown is too much for me in a regular redraft style league where you start one quarterback. Before I swing it over to you, Wheeler, um, what does that mean, though, for let's say, you know, as we've talked in many podcasts over the years, you know, being the distributor, having all this talent, you've got to hunt who led the league in rushing last year in his rookie season can catch the ball out of the uh, backfield and you've got a, a first year, he's a second year player, but a first year starter uh, who's going to check down a bunch. You've got the, arguably the second best tight end in football in Kelsey. You just brought in uh, Watson. Uh, we, we saw that bomb to um, a friggin' hit Tyree kill. These guys are just stacked. Um, what do you think 
Mahomes, as far as his ability to get, are you liking what has the has your love for these other uh, skilled players on the Chiefs risen because you can see that Mahomes does it, or is it the same as it was? What are your thoughts, Stags? Or, or is is this an offense that you're coveting? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the top, you know, five to seven offenses in football. They're well rounded, well coached. Uh, and they know how to take advantage of an opponent's weaknesses. Uh, so everything I swear to want in an offense, you know, they provide. Uh, the only thing I worry about is sort of pace of play and how many actual opportunities are going to be there for, you know, between the run game and the pass game. Cool. Yeah, I totally agree with everything. I totally agree with everything he's been saying. Uh, it's, it, if you're looking for consistency, this isn't your guy, but he certainly could be a boom bust. He's the perfect uh, best ball uh, QB2 um, or somebody you might snag late if you plan on streaming quarterback, you know, just look for his boom weeks. Um, the, the, his main problem right now is he's still staring down his wide receivers. He, he's, he knows his first target and he's looking for him to get open. And that say that, uh, deep safety is getting his uh, those deep balls off, and unless Tyree Kill is just blazing by him, but uh, yeah, I, I bumped up uh, Tyree Kill a little bit, um, but I haven't touched Sammy at all. In fact, I'm a little bit down on him. I believe uh, he hasn't been targeted by Mahomes at all. Um, so, it, but the offense all around is going to put up points. It's just you're not going to be able to consistently predict which one is going to or which one or two are going to do the boom and the bust. This is like one happy family on the show here tonight. Uh, it's, a, it's a real departure from, like it. from what is Nihudini and Stags. We, we don't agree on a fucking thing, and we're at each other's <laughs> throat uh, about uh, the halfway through the show. This is, this is nice. Wheeler, you're, a, you're, 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 like the, you're like a new family member that just brings the family together. It's terrific. Oh. <laughs> me, me and Nudini had a little had a little battle last week. I love the guy. I hope he's listening to the show. He's the greatest. Um, but yeah, we were uh, we're, we're both hotheads. Um, but yeah, awesome stuff. Stag party. Love you, buddy. Um, let's go over to Evan Ingram. That concussion protocol, and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with the Giants. Uh, ODB uh, OBJ getting his, his dough. That's done. Um, what do you? What's going on there? Is Evan Ingram? Is this problematic? I I watched the play. I don't even see. Usually those ones you hit your head on the ground. He didn't even hit his head on the ground. Like I didn't really see where he got concussed on that play. Um, are you guys as a, as a top five tight end? Um, is this worrisome for you? Is he or is just he'll be fine by week one? I assume he'll be fine by week one. I didn't actually even see the play. Thanks for letting me know. I didn't even know he had a concussion. I'm reading about it now, though. It it, it appears he's on track for week one. So it, concussions are something you have to keep track of, but I, I don't think it'll slow him down to start the season. Um, I actually think that you're going to see him split out a little bit more, and it, it, he won't play a traditional tight end role. Um, I, I think what you're going to see is that, that limited – Brandon Marshall role that uh, was carved out last year. Um, I think you're going to see Evan Engram semi in that kind of role. Um, 
and uh, Shermer likes his tight end, so he should be fine. Stag party, what are your thoughts on, on uh, unless you have something to say on Ingram, um, you want to interject or you want to, I want to, I was thinking about bouncing this over to Baldwin's press conference. I think that was today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ingram, you know, seems fine on track for week one. So that's great. The only, you know, concern has been, you know, he's been a guy who's been going a lot higher in best balls and sort of at the, uh, you know, Fresh at the start, he seemed to be going as the fourth tight end off the board. Uh, that has soured a little bit. You know, he's down in the five or six, seven range uh, among tight ends where where it's a little bit more palatable. Uh, so now that his price has decreased, uh, I've been buying up some shares. Uh, you know, because this offense looks good, it looks like they're going to be able to move the ball. Uh, and... Oh, he just looks like one of these players who's, you know, among the next best uh, greats at the tight end position just because this guy's playing out in the slot and he's playing out wide uh, and playing the traditional tight end role. You know, there should be plenty of targets for him to see. Um, Doug Baldwin. Baldwin says he's basically going to be injured all year essentially today. Was that – what does that do? What does that do for you on on his ADP? I mean, it's not great. Uh, it's not really what you want to see at this point. So I'm probably going to end up knocking him down a half tier, but I still think he's a third or fourth round guy because he's going to battle through it. Uh, you know, he seems like he's always been one of those tough guys, willing to you know work for everything he's ever gotten, and that you know it's one of the guys I kind of like uh and that you know touchdown upside he has with you know no other real proven pass catchers on the roster you know gives him still still upside despite being injured yeah um what about you wheeler have you been high on uh baldwin i feel like you like the guy i I like the guy before uh the the injury came about, and now that he said he's not going to be a hundred percent all year, I, I got to knock him down a, li- a little bit more. Even uh, I haven't been getting him lately, but uh, uh, it, it, that that's too bad. If he's fighting through injury all year, there's just no way he's gonna. I, I don't see his targets increasing. I, I if he's eighty percent, you're probably going to get eighty percent production. Um, the, a guy I have been grabbing late lately is uh tyler lockett um you know he finally has the opportunity he has the athletic skill set and he hasn't done much with it but uh you see flashes here and there tyler lockett should be able to uh see a good increase in targets if you know if nothing else from richardson leaving but if doug baldwin is going to be 80 percent yeah that leaves a couple more targets open i would imagine i agree um, Stags, what are your thoughts on Lockett? It does seem like uh, Lockett is a, a person that shows up in a lot of sleeper, um, a lot of sleeper articles, and when you listen to these podcasts, uh, is it fool's gold, or can he finally break through and, and, and get some things done? What are your feelings on Lockett? And obviously, he's uh, right now Lockett's uh, ADP is super low at sixty-first wide receiver off, so one hundred fifty-fifth overall. Um, what are your thoughts on Lockett? Can he be the guy? Is, is could Brandon Marshall still have something in the tank? 
I mean, I don't think Tyler Lockett's ever going to be the guy. And I, I don't know if, you know, if, if Doug Baldwin was completely healthy, you know, for this season, I don't even know if he'd be a traditional number two receiver. Uh, it just seems to me like they're going to go a little bit of wide receiver by committee. Uh, they're going to use some Jaron Brown. They're going to use a, a Mara Darbo or, uh, you know, Brandon Marshall, who you mentioned, uh, he's not even a for sure guy to make the squad right now. So this is sort of a big week as cuts come down, a veteran like that, uh, you know, could be released. Uh, and it's sort of a major shakeup for that depth chart. So, yeah, he's worth a shot as a guy who might see, you know, 80, 90, maybe 100 targets at a very, very cheap price. But I, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver, too, in the NFL. I think he's still more just a complimentary receiver uh, who's a very good return man. All right, Sony Michelle returned to practice for the Patriots today. I know Stags, you're uh, you're a believer in Rex Burkhead. I've seen some of your draft results, um, and you're getting him at good value. Um, I know a lot of the people that I respect the most in the industry are all in on Rex Burkhead. Uh, will Sony um, get a, have a good season? Is he a guy that you're interested in? In drafting, are you with his his coming back? Doesn't really matter. It's going to be Burkhead is getting the lion's share. Is there anybody else in that team, or is it still that uh, whoever whoever uh, Belichick wants it to be that week is the guy? What do you think, Sony Michelle? Is he going to going to do anything for owners this year, or is he going to be a disappointment like Mike Gillisley was last year? Who me? Okay, I'm going. Um, so, Sony Michelle, uh, you know, overall, here's what I said the day he was drafted. If you want to project 100 touches for Sony Michelle, or if you want to project 300 touches for Sony Michelle, there's not an argument I can make uh, that'll have me disagreeing with you. You could say whatever you want, use whatever backing you want, and it, it'd be true for you know Belichick. That's the way he plays. Uh, you know, you, they drafted an RB in the first round. That means they're going to play the shit out of him. Yada yada yada. You can do that for Sony Michelle uh, and Bill Belichick. How often does he do this? You're going to tell me he doesn't plan to use him? Like it's a like I, I think when healthy it's a clusterfuck is what it is. It's what it is. But, I mean, at some point, this is an offense that scores top five points in PPR year in and year out. So I've got to I've got to spend up to get Rex Burkhead, or I, I hope he falls to me, and sometimes, you know, that's definitely not the case. Um, so it, it's... Sony Michelle is going higher. Is, is Sony Michelle is at number... Uh, 29, Burkhead is at 32 um, right yeah. now. So you're paying more for Sony, um, you know, as a rookie who's done anything, but that's obviously electric, than you are for, you know, a, a, a hard hat and lunch pail bringing guy uh, that could just get it done in the Belichick style of play. 
they're both basically best ball guys. So the, you know, you're not going to be able to necessarily predict week to week. Uh, I guess they'll they'll probably go in streaks. So you'll miss the first week. You, you're going to want to choose to start him and then, you know, start him for three weeks when he's only good for two and Belichick switched his guy. So for best ball, yeah, uh, I'll take either one of them or if I can stack them on a turn, that might be a good idea too. Um, if you stack them on a turn, I, I'd imagine you get RB1 production for most of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, independently in redraft, I don't, I don't want to have to make that decision every week on Sunday. I'm too busy putting the rankings in. <laughs> Chris Carson on the Seattle uh, with obviously Penny going down. Without Penny going down, you've got Chris Carson, who's kind of, a, you know, looks like everything's going pretty well for him. He's 38 uh, running back right now, and you still got Rashad Penny's the 26th. Um, what are your takes on this uh, right now? Penny's got, what, a broken finger? Um, is this uh, uh, is this an offense uh, or a running a, a back a backfield that you want anything to do with? I'll let you nope. go. First. Uh, yeah, you go first. <laughs> okay, uh, it, it's just that offensive line is a sieve, um, and neither one of them really produced their own yards to the point where I feel confident in drafting them. Um, and, and you can't promise me that Chris Carson's going to start the whole year. Um, Penny was a first round pick. Eventually they're going to want to see what he's got. So if you, if Chris Carson falls a few rounds into the double digits, sure. I would consider him, but he's not going there anymore. Um, and even Rashad Penny, I would wait and pick him up off waivers or when somebody drops him because Chris Carson's getting all the run, but I don't, I don't necessarily think either one of them's going to put up any kind of numbers. The one I'm, I'm, I always cross my fingers on every year is CJ Procise. Man, he's got so many skills. And in the one game he actually got to play a couple of years ago, man, he looked so good. But uh, in the FFPC, the 28-round drafts, I'll grab a little bit of CJ Procise at the end. But you know he's going to get hurt too. So, yeah, I'm just <laughs> staying away from that backfield altogether. Stegs, McCarthy said today that he thinks – um, that Jamal Williams is going to be the player, the second-year player that, quote-unquote, made the leap. Um, so he's kind of either, uh, you know, doing narrative street or getting people pumped up on Jamal Williams. We know Aaron Jones is suspended for a little bit. Um, is Jamal Williams really the guy? Is Ty Montgomery still going to get some opportunities? Is Aaron Jones, when he gets back, is it going to go to a, a committee? Is it a committee all throughout the, the season regardless? Uh, what are your thoughts um, right now? I know um, I know you, we've had a lot of discussions about the Green Bay running backs since they you know drafted all those guys and since um, you know Ty was able to do his thing. Where are you at right now with Green Bay, one of the power teams, offensively in that backfield? What are you doing with your teams? Here's how I, I like to say it. I don't fucking like Jamal Williams, but I will still draft Jamal Williams because he's on a team with Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback, uh, a team that knows how to put together, you know, an offensive line, no matter where they seem to draft guys. Uh, you know, they're well coached on the offensive line. They score a lot of touchdowns. They put these guys in opportunities. 
uh, to score touchdowns. They put Fat Eddie Lacy two yards away from a goal line where he can score, fall in and score double digit TDs for you know enough seasons in a row that he becomes a candidate for the first overall pick in fantasy leagues. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, I don't like Jamal Williams at all. I am an Aaron Jones truther through and through have been since the draft. But, you know, what he's shown in the NFL is that he's an explosive rusher. What he he showed in college is he's much more than that. He's a guy who can uh, catch passes out of the backfield. But he seemingly struggled with that and with pass protection in the NFL. And when you have a quarterback who's got, you know, fucking Tony Romo-style collarbones, do you want... Uh, to put him behind the quarterback like that. Uh, no, you want a guy like Jamal Williams who's going to get his couple yards, keep you on schedule, you know, so on and so forth. I'm going to tell you, Stag Party, in seventh grade, I got tackled by the – I was the quarterback for our seventh grade team. I got tackled by the biggest kid in our school who literally could bench press like 250 pounds in seventh grade. Going down the line on a on a on a handoff, he broke through the line and broke my collarbone. So I have Tony Romo collarbones, um, and uh, so I was offended there. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that he dropped so hard, dude. I remember just like he got through. I was like, I'm fucked. Boom! Slam me. I was not a big guy. That thing snapped, and then I was in seventh grade. And I remember like in between class, like. Junior high school is so, so busy, and I'm like, have a broken collarbone, my hands in a sling, and I'm like, people are walking, I'm like, no, get, get, get away, no, get, get. anyone like, even touch, even touch, like a, a finger touch on the shoulder, on, on your elbow, and it just like sends pain through your whole collarbone, so this is before the days when, when you'd get a, a pin and have surgery on any sort of, uh, any sort of these injuries, but god damn it. Did that injury blow? Um, all right, let's bounce off. Do you have anything you want to say, Wheeler, about that backfield? Or um, I can bounce to a couple more of these kind of preseason things that are happening, and then let's get into some uh, sleepers and some other magic. But before I do that, do me a favor, and we're going to listen to this. Wheeler, you want to uh, give anything, any thoughts on that Green Bay backfield? Uh, I basically agree with Staggs. Uh, I'm a huge Aaron Jones fan myself, and uh, the only thing I could say is that uh, those first two games they play, um, let me take a look. Uh, Aaron Jones is value city at this point. It's pretty incredible. Like this whole suspension thing, almost the same way I feel about Ingram. Um, Aaron Jones now, uh, I guess it's not that it's not that substantial. Where where is Aaron Jones? Is Forty two, right now, um, and the guys around him like Aaron Jones, Peyton Barber, um, Devontae Booker. I like those guys, but then you get it gets pretty pretty bleak underneath that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I like it. they're both. They're both going a little a little later than they they would if they had their own backfield, and you, you got Ty Montgomery screwing up everything, but he's getting hurt a lot too. Um, I I rather have Aaron Jones on my team just because he's the better back. But Stags makes a great point. If if 
if he if Jamal Williams holds on to the job, you know, the, Aaron Jones won't get much play at all. Um, I, I'm trying to look for it here. I can't find it, but uh, I believe those first two games are against pretty tough run rush defense opponents, though too. So he might Jamal Williams might stumble out of the block. You can find that in the Pyromaniac Draft Kit, my friend. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Let's yes, I got to open that file. Let's do a little pyro uh, promo here. Uh, pick up our draft kit. Version 3 is out right now. Um, the tiers uh, for all three of us are in there. I love that that tab. But it's 24 tabs of good fantasy football goodness. It's $20. We're going to put out another version of it, um, I think, this Friday, maybe Saturday. But – uh, there's no, we're going to, we're going to do this Friday and it's going to be the last version that we do, do version four. Check that thing out. It is a weapon of mass destruction on the rest of your league. Uh, I, I just can't tell you enough. It's, it's funny. Uh, Pete, it sucks. It's funny, but it sucks that literally today, three people in my big money, like, and we bumped it up even more this year because I got people that have a shitload of money in my league. I don't, but they do. So we bumped it up. Three people bought the draft kit today. Those bastards. <laughs> they just know. They know they can see my tears on it, not because they want to, you know, they just they don't want to use them and take them for themselves. They've all got their own approach to it. But no question about it, they want to know who I like. Um, it's been nice this yeah, year. Yeah, they want to live in your head. Yeah, exactly. It's been nice this year. We haven't done any mock drafting. Last year at this big money league draft, four different people, n- not even talking to each other, or maybe they did, brought two printouts of our latest two mock drafts. So they had their their computer and then whatever their notes. One guy who's actually been very successful lately prints out like you know tons of these pages from a fantasy football index. But all of them had printouts of the last two mock drafts, and were basically like, "All right, here's the new lights." Here's a new, and it's just like, oh, God. But anyway, back to the draft kit. Pick that thing up. Make a mockery of the rest of your uh, league. It's it, it's a dope thing. And Stag Party, um, not sure if uh, you, uh, you know, heard. Uh, I, I think it was mine and Wheeler's show, um, but it might have been another show. But uh, giving you props on how much you put into that. So uh, pick that thing up. We've, we've had a great year selling those. Uh, so a lot of people are on it, and it's nice that when I get that email, I can see the, a lot of the same names that have bought it and purchased it over the last five, six-plus years. Um, I think once you go to the Pyro Draft Kit, you never go back. And um, if you do like other resources, use them, but this is a, just a badass piece of machinery to, to walk away from your best draft. So pick that thing up. That's a little uh, sales moment there for us at Pyromaniac. Uh, it's not too late if you got a draft this weekend. I promise you it'll help. That tiers, if you're not going to do this research on your own, uh, look at our tiers, uh, move them around a little bit for your own good. And uh, you got some some heavy hitters and the two guys that I'm talking to right now in Wheeler and Stags, uh, they're putting their stuff up there. And then my tiers are in there and uh, Houdini's are in there as well. Some old Wiley vets. Um, all right. We're going to kind of close out uh, this part of the show. Is there anything that you guys – that stood out to you in, in, in preseason or any player news or anything that's like shocking to you lately or over the last couple of weeks um, in the games that, that, that you want to point to? If not, 
Let's get into kind of a free form sleeper bust, deep sleeper, late round gems, league winners kind of discussion here uh, for our last hour or so. Any other stuff? Yeah, I got something to talk about real quick. Cool. So I've been on FF today doing some research during the show. uh, And, you know, the Google AdSense is just putting up this ad right now. And it's a titty stress ball. But it's just right in the banner for FF today. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I have been searching to get a titty stress ball as my, you know, Google AdSense banner. Oh, yeah, that's Wait, is it a stress ball that looks like a titty or a stress ball that you squeeze with your titties? It's a stress ball that is like a breast in shape and has a nipple. It has a nipple sticking huh. out? Oh, I'm going to send this to you for uh, the show notes. And then did you guys see that text I sent you earlier? You see yeah. how Bush Latte, you see how Bush Latte is just encroached on my fucking brand? And now they're, now they're making coffee? What kind of shit is this? I'll tell the story a little background where we were on a uh, we were doing a video back probably three-ish four years ago and we were outside and I don't know what the video was about but uh, I think it was me you I think Dog was there and Houdini Uh, maybe it was just the three of us and uh, Stag Party we were talking about beer and me and Houdini like the heavy stuff Houdini more of an imperial IPA guy I'm more of a citrusy IPA guy and we were talking about beer. He's like, just give me a a, a, a bush latte uh, or a bud latte. <laughs> and I had never heard this at all. And, God, I was dying. Uh, but I love seeing that text. I'm going to have to, um, after we're done with the show here, I'll, uh, I'll retweet it on the pyro and make sure you do it on your account. Uh, let's do this right now. Uh, each of you, uh, go first, Wheeler. Uh, let our listeners, I'm sure most of them already follow us, but, um, again, uh, me and uh, you know what the show that we did the other day uh, a, a few weeks ago was uh, that Twitter show me and Wheeler did. But what's your uh, what's your Twitter Twitter handle, Wheeler? And then give give me your stag party. Um, two great follows on uh, on on Twitter. Uh, mine's at ff underscore Wheeler. Good times, as I've said before. He's like the Gene- one of the Geneva guys. I think both actually both of you guys are well loved and revered on Twitter. Um, uh, for good reason. Uh, stag party. What's yours? Pyro stag with one G, and that's P Y R O S T A G, and no number or anything, especially the number one that happens to appear in the Pyromaniac Twitter handle. At P Y R O M A N, the number one A C. Check that out. Um, good times. You know, again. If- Twitter is just a ridiculous resource for fantasy football. Even if you hate the thought of it, you don't want to be tweeting yourself. It's a great way to log on, create an account, follow a bunch of people that uh, Stag Party, Wheeler, myself, and others follow. Listen to that show from uh, a month ago or so about the Twitter show that we did, uh, me and Wheeler, on Pyro Podcast. And it's just it's just a ridiculous resource for fantasy football. Um Cool. Let's get into some uh, sleeper and bust action and, and some league winners. And uh, we're going to keep it free form. We're just going to name a bunch of guys that go and um, that, that we feel pretty good about. And you know what? I have a feeling that Stag Party, I'm just going to 
You'll name your guys, but tell me about Trey Burton, who I have at your request, moved way up in my tiers for tight ends. Um, you told me on our last show, you're like, hey, buddy, you got to move up Trey Burton. And uh, you were right. What are, you, what are your thoughts on him? Where does he fall for you? Is he a league winner? Is he a sleeper? Is he, at this point, neither? And just a guy that you're psyched to have in your team? Where, what, give, us, give us your thoughts on that. I think after the top three tight ends go off the board, uh, and to be clear, those three top tight ends are Kelsey, Gronk, and Ertz in whatever order you want, except the right order is Gronk, Ertz, uh, Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz, uh, and it always will be. Uh, once those guys come off the board, you know, Jordan Reed and Trey Burton are the two tight ends you should be target targeting in your draft. If you're like some people and you won't go and grab Jordan Reed because he's always hurt and complain in your nagging voice, because that's just how you have to talk. If you send that, that sort of message on Twitter all the time, always hurts. Um, you know, Trey Burton's your guy. Uh, you know, one of the main cogs in the Bears offseason edition, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy sat down. They looked through all the free agency and they said, we need this guy first. So he's the main cog in a Bears offense. Uh, that's going to be multiple. Uh, he can play a variety of different positions, whether it's in the backfield split out wide, split out in the slot, you know, in, as a traditional tight end, he's going to be moved all over and get valuable, valuable targets, um, you know, for an offense that for years has featured the tight end position. So, you know, if you're not going the read route, you know, Trey Burton is a guy that needs to be on your must draft list. Um, in, in my opinion, Follow the money, and, and I, 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 I agree with you, and it's shocking. The Bears, uh, kind of a somewhat of a chintzy team, they signed him uh, a backup uh, and not even a, a highly drafted player out of uh, Florida University um, to, to a four-year $32 million deal with 22 that's guaranteed. So, like you said, they went out, they got their guy, they paid him well, and – I'm with you, man. I was kind of sleeping on him a little bit, and they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna make it, make him earn his his money by uh, having Trubisky throwing him, throwing the ball. What are your thoughts on on that situation? And, and you know that I love your Jordan Reed. Um, I, I think that he's a league winner, um, just no question about it. His ADP is still so solid. Uh, I actually saw that piece that you uh, were a part of on uh, Fantasy Pros. Um, is that today or yesterday, whenever it was, uh, some of the experts around the industry were asked, uh, who their kind of league winner guy is and the guy that they're all in on, um, for the heaviest impact in fantasy football and stag party wrote up, uh, uh his, his, his guy for fantasy pros for this article was Jordan Reed. And I'm just, I'm all in on that. What do you, what are your feelings on, on those guys, Wheeler, um, or, um, and, and as well, are there any other, just because we're on top tight ends at the moment, are there any tight ends that you're just really gaga about and feeling like will outlive their ADP and just could, could really uh, perform and, and benefit team owners? 
Yeah, I think there's a few of them that could pop up out of the blue. Um, I, I was late on Burton, so I, he's getting scooped up just a little bit earlier than I, I would like to. If I'm in that area, I am drafting Reed um, over Burton. Um, and a lot of if I grab one in those mid rounds, I'll grab Kyle Rudolph. Um, he should see uh, even an uptick in targets uh, in, with the new offensive coordinator and Kirk Cousins. Uh, Kirk Cousins loves the tight end. He loved Jordan Reed. Uh, he even loved Vernon Davis when Jordan Reed was out. Um, and that's the thing, too. If if you do get Jordan Reed in a redraft, uh, Vernon Davis is going to be on waivers, or there'll be other tight ends on waivers you can grab when he gets hurt. Um, and for best ball, I, I would do uh, like a Vernon. If I grab uh, Jordan Reed and say the ninth or tenth, I'll go in the last round and I'll grab Vernon Davis just to cover that up. Um, but two other tight ends that I've been focusing on are uh, Kyle Rudolph and Austin Safarian Jenkins that we talked about earlier. Jenkins is at the tight end 19. So he's significantly lower where we're talking about that Kyle Rudolph's at eight tight end eight uh, reads at tight end nine and Trey Burton's at tight eight tight end 10. So those guys are kind of clumped together in that uh, after Delaney Walker, after kind of, the quote-unquote elite guys from Ingram, Olsen, and upwards. Um, wow, I like that. So Austin Severian, you just think that he's going to be just be, he's going to be able to finally live up to his potential that maybe uh, guys like PK Ripper and Jets fans thought was going to happen, um, and you think he's going to be able to get it done, huh? Yeah, well, you look at a team like the Jets. The Jets haven't really used a tight end in years. I mean, I don't. Name a tight end besides Austin Safarian Jenkins that's been there that's done anything. Um, Dustin Kelly. Boom. <laughs> All right, you got me. Uh, um, what about the guy that was just raping 90-year-olds, Callum Winslow Jr.? Oh, oh Jesus. Oh, great topic. <laughs> well, leave it, to, leave it to D-Rex to bring up the to, – to kill the family happiness. Um, <laughs> you know a guy that I like now, – Go ahead with your while you're while you're talking. I'm gonna after you're done. I'm gonna throw a couple tight ends that I'm super digging uh, as well that are low, low, low. One thing about ASJ last year too was uh, he was an end zone target when they got down there, but uh, he had three touchdowns. I think it was called back from uh, holding penalties, um, and then the uh, the uh, the another fourth one was the one he fumbled through the end zone. He, he reached out for the end zone, ended up dropping the ball, and it rolled out of the side of the end zone. So if you add four touchdowns to what he did uh, and consider that he was on the Jets that don't target a tight end, uh, you know, especially with Marquise Lee going down, uh, Bortles should should be able to make that connection with him. There's been really good reports out of camp too. So I'm optimistic. I like it. Ebron is one lower than us, ASJ. And, uh, you know, first-round pedigree, I, I'm pretty sure top 10 first-round pedigree. Uh, fi- finally uh, moved away from the Lions, and now he's um, part of the Colts and Lucks back in the mix. Uh, I really like it. They, the Colts have the second-easiest strength of schedule for tight end. Uh, there's just something that tells me where Ebron, it's, it's tough to – uh, draft if you're in shorter bench leagues to draft a second tight end, especially one that late. But um, 
Ebron really, really, really intrigues me um, plenty. And then uh, David Joku, I mean, he's a tight, he's a red zone machine. Already been looking great in the preseason. I'm just really excited for this kid uh, in the second year. I think he's just um, there's something about him that just seems like he's been putting in the work and gonna be able to be get it done this year. Uh, Joku is just a guy that I think um, it, it, if he could have, I think he was like a, he was a top tight end in red zone targets last year. And when you think about who was throwing him the ball and Kaiser and other shit stained sandwiches uh, who just were scared to wing the ball, and now you've got uh, Tyrod Taylor and you've got uh, you know Baker, I just think uh, he's another guy that I'm I'm super excited to see what can happen. Uh, he's one of, definitely one of my uh, one of my sleeper guys uh, at the tight end position, David. Uh, yeah, I like that call too. He was a that I think it was the first or second preseason game where he caught the two touchdowns. He was targeted by both quarterbacks in the end zone. So that, uh, that leaves me optimistic on him as well. I, there's a lot of good tight ends that could crop up this year. That's why it's such a good position to just stream. Totally agree. Vance McDonald. I like who are some other guys that you like Stags? I mean, who do you think could be, people are talking pretty highly uh, these days about Ben Watson being back with Drew Brees. I mean, he's an old man, but, Good God! I mean, him and him and uh, Breeze have a have a connection. He's the twenty third tight end. Austin Hooper twenty second. Are there any other guys that you're liking? Gasecki? I don't. I don't even know. It seems like this is such a deep position. I don't think it's as deep as you think. I think there's a lot of guys who, you know, if everything goes right, could crop up and be a little bit better than you expect. But then there's a lot of guys who need a lot of things to break right for them, for them to sort of be, uh, you know, constant producers and guys you want to stick in your lineup week in and week out. So I think there's a lot of streamable assets to the position. I don't necessarily agree that it's deep and you, like, don't have to pay attention to drafting it. Um, Last question. So streaming yeah. a tight end. How, what do you look at? What, do you, what, do, what are the parameters and the executables that you're looking at? Let's say you're just kind of you're, – you're doing that streaming tight end thing. And I, I know that you're probably a guy that, that might not play this game. But if you are, and this is a question, start out stag, but the wheeler as well. How do you, on a week-to-week basis, what are the parameters, what are the details you're looking at to say, you know what, I think this tight end is going to have a great opportunity this week? Um, I can make this sort of really quick or really long. So, you want um, just go, you know, go with the quick one. <laughs> go, go quick and just throw out some bullets and just whatever you want. Yeah. So really, really quick. Here is how you make things happen at the tight end position. You find out whichever team is playing the New York Giants or the Cleveland Browns. and Oh, my you God. You took the words right end. out of my mouth. <laughs> and you play the tight end against them as long as they're available in early. Absolutely. Giants and Browns, huh? Yep. Uh, it, you play, play your tight end against the Giants and Browns. That's all you got to do. 
Is there any other teams that are kind of in that in that fold? That uh, that's pretty awesome. All right, I'm writing this down. You'll I'm see gonna... you'll see other teams pop up. Um, I believe the Broncos were one of them last year. If I, yeah, that's Broncos, just off the top of my head. Bron- right. Broncos, Dolphins, Redskins are really bad, especially when they play Philadelphia in the month of December. Hmm. And Zach Ertz goes off for 14 catches every time that happens. <laughs> All right, well, hold on. Give me a second here, guys. I like doing these in-show tweets, um, and it's good. It's a lot easier to do. We got three people instead of two, so I'm, I'm doing. A, I'm doing a little. So that's the uh, Browns, Giants. Now we're, now we're gonna sound like assholes. That's no, fine. <laughs> I always sound like an <laughs> asshole. Me, I am an asshole, so it's fine. Um, Browns, Giants, Broncos, Dolphins, and who's the other one? Yeah, Texans. But I really only like them against the Browns and the, the Giants. Here, I, I'm yeah, the Browns it. and the Giants for sure. Cheering it out for you, buddy. Um, okay, cool. I like it. That's a good little uh, good little conversation there about some uh, tight end action. Stag party. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you right now, and you think of a guy that as well, uh, Wheeler, please. League winner. Someone that maybe we haven't mentioned in a previous show, a guy that you're super high on that you've been drafting a lot or you've been super bummed out that you missed out on him in some of your drafts. Who do you feel like could be a league winner? And I don't even think this has to be like some like guy that you draft in the 13th round. It, it can be in the, in the fifth or sixth round. Um, whatever you think, who's a guy that right now when you look at other people's drafts, your own drafts, you look at mocks. You look at all this uh, ADP. Who's the guy that you're just like, man? If the if everything goes right for that dude, he's going to win people a lot of leagues. I mean, I think we've talked about a number of the guys, you know, late in drafts that I'm really looking forward to. You know, between Burton and Reed, between you know Keelan Cole. Um, let's see, who's another guy going? You know, pretty late. You know, Keelan Cole, Tyrell Williams. I'm even starting to warm up to Mike Williams late uh, with with no Hunter Henry there. Uh, you know, Michael Gallup, a guy who could see a lot of targets as a potential number one wide receiver in Dallas. You know, at the running back position. You know, buying that cheap volume of you know Peyton Barber. You know, Chris Carson, even Devontae Booker, who nobody wants anything to do with. Uh, Bilal Powell, who's going super late in drafts. So, you know, buying cheap volume is basically what predicates everything. If it's projectable, it's cheap, I'm all over it. Yeah, I'm the same way. A couple couple of the guys I like that are super late – or relatively late, or uh, Matt Brieta, um, that San Francisco offense. I don't see uh, McKinnon having more than 220 touches at the most. Um, I, I just don't see him as a durable back. I don't think balls. Shanahan. I, I don't think Shanahan wants to use him as a durable back. Brieta is that the pounder that he. They both were. Uh, they were both back at the practice today not doing non-contact drills so I, I expect them both to be ready for week one and uh, you know McKinnon's going to be ready for week one I'm pretty sure they play Minnesota so uh, but I, I see Brieta popping up and uh, another guy that the 
I like uh, is Corey Clement. Um, I am high on Ajay this year. I think he's going to put up pretty good numbers. He was really efficient in his limited touches last year. Uh, Ajay saw more and more touches as the year went on, but I think a good compliment to him is Corey Clement. Um, they definitely use multiple backs in that Philadelphia backfield, so I like those guys late. Um, a later quarterback that I like is uh, Dak Prescott. Um, yeah. weeks, one, weeks one through eight last year when he had a healthy offensive line, uh, he was uh, the quarterback one or two. Um, then his left tackle went out, uh, Zeke went out, um, and yeah, the past week, it looks like his offensive line is starting to hurt again. So I've backed off both of them a little bit, but I definitely like Dak as a super late kind of another streamer type pick. Yeah, I, I like that one too. I think um, it, it's kind of maybe a, a good situation where it's addition by subtraction for him, where he doesn't have to kind of going back to the AP conversation we had at the beginning of the show, where when he's in there, you got to like kind of change everything to appease the AP role, where I felt the same way with uh, Dez, where it's just like they were always going out of their way to make sure Dez wasn't grumpy uh, in the game. And it's like now that you don't have to do it, it's kind of, I think, Dak, uh, we'll find out. We'll know by, you know, we'll know in two months if he sinks or swims. But I think that he's got this opportunity to just make the best play and not be worried about what happens in the locker room, who's feeling left out or whatnot. And it's just, he was already kind of doing that in his successful season two years ago. Um, I think that had a little bit to do with Dez uh, having a broken foot and, and not having to worry about the repercussions. But I like that Dak Prescott. He's a guy that uh, I could see being a, 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 last, a late, late round QB that I take as my QB two that has a lot of opportunity to be pretty solid. Um, a couple yeah. guys I like in the in oh. the middle of the draft. Yeah. Um, he he's been moving up the draft board since the beginning of the year, but uh, Marshawn Lynch. Um, I think it was weeks mm-hmm. nine through fifteen. He was the RB eight. Um, yeah, he has to stay healthy the whole season, but I see Gruden just pounding the ball with him, and you know. Skittles are going to rain down. Oh, one of his contract is set up so that he gets an extra hundred grand for every hundred yards beyond 400. So, you know, Marshawn likes his money. So he's going to work for that. He doesn't spend it. Yeah, I know. He doesn't like the money. Stags, you, you kind of made a sound when it when you went uh, Marshawn style. Um, you, you, you on board with that? Or you, you just you feeling a little worried about him or maybe the Raiders? Ew. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really nothing against Marshawn personally. It's just, uh, you know, when you add every single person over the age of 30 uh, to your team and you don't talk to your star pass rusher, I genuinely question your competence a little bit, right? So, is this offense going to be one like it was last year where they really sort of committed to uh, Marshawn late in the season uh, and then sort of, you know, eschewed these secondary backs? Or is this one where, hey, you know, let's give some to Doug, uh, Doug Martin, we'll give some to Marshawn Lynch, we'll have, you know, a couple third down backs, We'll we'll see how the kid 
Um, Chris Warren from Texas looks. Uh, you know, he's looked like one of the better backs all of preseason. Yeah, especially if I you look at just, him in all my dynasty leagues now too. Especially if you look at like just pure counting stats, you know that guy's just been you know carry after carry. He's a bruiser, so you know I worry that it's such a maybe that I worry that there might be too many cooks in the kitchen, and that the head chef might might be a little bit. <laughs> how how do I put this? Delicate. Throwing too much salt in the dishes. Senile. Senile. He he cooked his best dishes back in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, while we're talking about this, a guy that I like is—I don't know whether it's a sleeper, or a weak uh, league winner—I don't know—and I, I, I know that I'll probably get some pushback on this, but Jordy Nelson, I just don't think he's dead. I I, I still where his value is right now and where he's going after what he's been able to do over the years. I just feel like I'm not giving up on that guy. And he's right now, Jordan is the 37th wide receiver going off the board. And while I feel like a lot of the guys around him um, probably should go ahead of him, there's a number of guys ahead of him that should. And I just really like, like a Will Fuller and a Watkins and a Robert Woods. I'm just, even a Pierre Garcon, I'm just not feeling that they're going to have a better season than Jordy Nelson. Uh, two, last year, obviously, Aaron Rodgers went down and he turned to shit with Hundley. But uh, in, he had, in the first week, he had 13 points. Uh, he had zero. I think he got a little banged up in week two, but he had uh, 17 fantasy points, you know, give or take however your scoring is in week three, 19 in week four. Two weeks uh, later, Aaron Rodgers went down with a shoulder injury, and it was a shit-stained uh, season. The season before that, he had nine games of 12 or more points. Um, I just don't think – watching some of the things and hearing some of the beat writers from uh, the Oakland situation, it doesn't seem like he's slow or lumbering, it, which is kind of what a lot of people are saying about Decker, who retired. Good job. We can talk about that in a minute. But um, – I'm just not done with Derek, uh, Jordy Nelson and the situation where you look at what happened. You, 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 he, let's say he just takes over outright the Crabtree role. Um, I think he's savvy. You got a good, you got a good quarterback throwing him the ball. And uh, Jordy Nelson, I think, will be a value pick. Um, he's a sleeper for me. I, he'll be on. A, I've got two drafts this weekend. I'm pretty sure he'll be on both my teams just because he's sliding. Everyone's like, oh, he sucked last year. He was all Aaron Rodgers. And I just – I know he's like 32 or 33, but he's savvy. He's a, he, he's going to be just fine. I, I'm digging in Jordy Nelson. Am I on my own here or are you guys like that? Wheeler, shoot. I, I, I haven't really gotten any of Jordy. Um, I, I've been going most of the summer with the full belief that he's – He's old and lost it. But uh, Josh Hermsmeyer tweeted out a couple weeks ago that uh, as far as his game speed, his game speed, he hadn't slowed down at all. It's just that there wasn't that connection there with Hundley and Nelson, and that's why it seemed as though he really faded off. Um, that Looking at that offense as a whole, if you go back in Gruden's past, he supports a wide receiver one, 
while usually there is no wide receiver two to speak of that's fantasy relevant. Um, he, he, in that range, he's not a bad pick, but I'm not looking to grab him when he's available. I have a quick question. Just, just before you go in, just to throw out a couple names, and this is kind of what we, we like to do, and we actually did this on our, our Twitter show. Um, Jordy Nelson or Pierre Garçon for you? It's probably Nelson. Jordy Nelson or Edelman? Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson or Crabtree? Crabtree. Jordy Nelson, Chris Hogan. What was that? Chris Hogan or Jordy Nelson? Hogan. Okay, cool. All right, so a couple guys that were ahead of him that that you still like, but good. Amen. I, you know, the truth is, I I like what you said uh, from Hermsmeyer. I think it's the game speed hasn't so much been lost on him, but that doesn't mean that the connection with Carr or this offense, or one of the things I love about the Bears right now with Nagy is the fact that we have a modern offense that's from, that's a lives in 2018. And the thing that we are all talking about and Stag Party mentioned 15 minutes ago, when you're talking about Gruden, it, it, it's John Fox-esque. It just might not be we're playing the NFL in 2018. And if that's the case, then Jordy Nelson, I think the player isn't so far behind, but he'll suffer. What do you got to say about it, uh, Stag Party? I don't think you've caught up to my love for Jordy Nelson yet. Because I have Jordy Nelson in 13 of 14 best ball leagues so far. Yeah, buddy. I'm I'm currently drafting the 14th. So I'm probably going to have like 100% exposure to Jordy Nelson. And that's a terrible fucking strategy. Um, (laughs) But... You know, when it comes around time to draft him in the ninth round, uh, the names around him are never as attractive as Jordy Nelson. Uh, you look at things like, you know, uh, Hermes Meyer's air yard model, and you look at some of the predictive statistics for wide receivers season over season, Jordy Nelson might not be dead. The thing he really struggled at last year was – uh, the conversion, uh, catching the ball and then getting yak because he wasn't on the same page as Hundley. Uh, so now, you know, getting a full off season to work with the guy in Derek Carr and a coach who's, you know, had a lot of success with old white, old wide receivers. Old white. Like, no, old wide receivers. Um, be you know I don't know guys like what Jerry Rice Tim Brown didn't suck us that much right like those guys had a lot of success well under their thirties for sure uh, Jerry Rice it was forties when Jerry Rice right yeah, you're right. yeah. Was Jerry Rice was Super Bowl he he was forty years old guys yeah. um nice I, I I agree that's that's awesome and you know he's we'll see Jordan Nelson I think. Just the value 
he's going to be there, and I'm going to be like, I can hold off one more round on him. And maybe I'm going to play, uh, you know, play play the fiddle, and, and, and he's going to get swiped right before. And I'm like, ah, I should have grabbed him the round before. But Jordy Nelson, you can kind of you can kind of play around and hold off, hold off, and then finally be like, all right, Jordy Nelson, you're going. And you know what Jordy Nelson is? He's almost like, remember last year Adam Thielen? Adam Thielen was going so late, but we still knew he was going to be a good player. But we didn't know that the Vikings were going to be a great offense. We didn't trust Case Keenum. But all of us a year ago, we really liked – I know me and Stag Party really liked Diggs. But we really liked Adam Thielen too. But we didn't like the offense and the distribution. So – or we didn't know that Case Keenum could have that kind of re, re, renaissance season. I feel like Jordy Nelson, we know more about the quarterback that's throwing to him. So I, I, I feel pretty confident um, where I'm going to get him that he's going to come as a heavy value and be a guy that maybe he's not even, maybe he's more of a flex. Maybe he's on my bench a lot of the season because I got some great wide receivers, but not going to feel bad that I've got this dude that, that I think is going to put up some nice weeks. Um, so I'm looking at MFL, MFL uh, ADP uh, just over the past week and uh, a couple of wide receivers that I see the two after him, Thurlin Shepard and Kenny Stills are probably the reason why I'm not getting any Jordy Nelson. And even before, just before that, Robbie Anderson and Nelson Aguilar. Um, so when when I get into those that range, those are really the four wide receivers I'm looking at, and I just I breeze on by Jordy. I, I like what you're talking about, Sterling Shepard. I'm gonna uh, quickly walk away, but I would like you guys to just have a conversation. What are your thoughts? I know we talked about the Giants a little bit earlier, but Sterling Shepard, what did he, didn't he have like seven targets, seven catches the other night? He's been pretty awesome his whole career, his first two years in the league. Uh, you got Brandon Marshall out of the situation now. Um, Sterling Shepard is a guy that I think is in, like you say, in that Jordy Nelson range, way major upside for where he's going. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, go, go ahead, Stax. You it. go. <laughs> All right, so Sterling Shepard. Uh, you know, one called upon last season – uh, he was really the only active wide receiver after that, uh, you know, after that Odell injury. Uh, even near that same point in week five after Odell went down in week four, he got banged up. Uh, so then, you know, he sat out for the middle portion of the season, and then when he came back, he was fed targets. He had 13 against San Francisco, six against Oakland. Then he had a down game against Dallas with just three. I think that was the game they really struggled on Thanksgiving. But then he had 16 with 11 catches and eight uh, targets. So even despite being fed, he got a lot of uh, – he was inconsistent uh, in those targets, and that's without Odell, uh, Odell Beckham. Uh, now you look at it and you add Saquon Barkley to the mix and a year two Evan Ingram – and it's just a muddied situation that sort of limits the upside in an offense. Um, he has been a guy who's scored more touchdowns, you know, in his rookie season, he was an eight touchdown guy, but 
the, you know, what what is he really going to score in this offense as well? Odell's a better touchdown scorer than he is. Evan Ingram's a better touchdown scorer than he is. So he's really just a complimentary piece. And if he's only getting, you know, 90 to 100 targets, what what is that upside where if he's going at the same price as Jordy, Jordy might get 120 targets and if Amari Cooper struggles, maybe he even gets much more than that. Um, the way I see it is uh, you got a slot receiver and a Pat Shermer offense. Um, he's this year's Adam Thielen. Um, Pat Shermer, you know, attacks the slot. Yes, uh, ODB is going to be moved down. Uh, oh, or sorry, OBJ. Oh, ODB is, <laughs> ODB is fine on this show. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> um, they'll move him down to the spot and interchange him in and out, but really an offense that is coming that is going to suit Sterling Shepard perfectly. Um, if you look at his uh, the Shermer offense, they attack that spot position. Uh they would move Thielen and Diggs in and out of that spot. And I see a lot of the same interaction happening this year with the Giants. Um, yeah, they have a quality tight end in Ingram, but, you know, Minnesota also had Rudolph. Um, okay, so Dalvin Cook went down and it opened up opportunity, but I still think those targets are, are going to be there. Um, maybe not in the magnitude that would be if uh, Odell wasn't there, but uh, I think that'll also take some coverage off of Shepard and leave him open in that spot. Yeah, I like I like that call. I think sometimes sometimes it, having the best or one of the best wide receivers in the game it just opens up so many things for you. And, and Sterling Shepard's a savvy dude, so I like I like what that call is. Before we move on, we're gonna do uh, hear a little word from our sponsors. So give us a second and uh, listen to this. All right, thanks for that. Um, any late-round gems? Uh, I know we've kind of been throwing out late-round gems and sleepers, or are there any busts that you think uh, in general that are just guys that you're in, in, in stags? I don't think Ertz is going to be a bust, but I think he's going to be over. I just don't like a third round for him. But is there any any guys that are either a late round gem that you want to throw on the table right now, a deep sleeper, sleeper that we haven't covered, a league winner, or flat out, you know, guys that you're just flat out staying away from that you feel are busty? Um, at this point, stag party, anyone you got, or Wheeler, whoever. Um, there's some guys that I'm just probably unlikely to draft, even though I say I like cheap volume. Like, I'm not going to go down the Isaiah Crowell, uh, you know, ladder again this season. And he's he's being drafted, you know, in the middle of the seventh or end of the seventh or eighth round at a lot of places. That's just too rich for my blood, man. Um, There's a lot. There's so many other players I'd rather take there. Um, And then when when I talk about pass catching backs – I haven't been taking a lot of uh, Tariq Cohen either. Uh, he just hasn't ended up on my roster a lot. And it's not because I, I believe Jordan Howard's going to suddenly 
become you know super relevant as a pass catcher. But I think that you know there's a good chance that his targets don't go up like people are projecting and, and maybe stagnate and or go down. Um, you know, with more players in this offense and other ways to attack defenses. So those are just two off the top of my head at running back. Wheeler, you got any running backs? Uh, I actually had Crowell written down as well and Powell too. I've been staying away from both of them. Like uh, (laughs) I assume some running back is going to have to produce some sort of points in that Jets offense, but I'm not, I don't like either one of them at their price. Um, heck, even in the beginning of the year when Crowell was going in the 11th and 12th, I didn't get him. Um, really, there's just guys kind of across the board that I'd fade a round or two, but nothing seems to jump out at me as somebody I'm absolutely positively completely avoiding. Um, at their price, there's quite a few. Um, but uh, like Calvin Ridley to me he stands out as being drafted way too high, even though he's wide receiver 53 in MFL ADP. Um, A guy like Juju Juju Smith-Schuster, I like him a lot. I have him ranked high, but I'm not taking him in the fourth round. I I just, I I can't see, I mean, I, I can see taking him in the sixth for sure. I'm all over him. I'd be debating him in the fifth, but the fourth is just too high a price for me. Um, I agree with I agree with that. It's just not enough. He's just not getting the the volume. Uh, he's going to have to do huge things, which he has kind of proven he can do with not too many opportunities. Um, but people just love the guy, and he's just that kind of all, uh, just beloved player, young dude, um, great off the field, great on the field, has uh, a great situation, a great o- offense, and the best wide receiver in the world um, to take, uh, you know, some coverage away from him. But I agree with that. Juju Smith, just like, that's fourth round. There's going to be, you know, early, there's gonna be three great weeks, but there in between, you are going to be like Juju friggin' Smith Schuster, you bastard. Uh, I'm also starting with what I've seen this preseason, starting to sort of fade Nick Chubb. Um, you know, I'm much more likely to take, you know, Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is a guy who's sort of been uh, pushing up my ranks. Sure. I, I just think his vers- versatility is too good. Um, you know, he's an Ohio guy from Ohio State. So he's got the lineage. I just don't think he's going to be worked over for Nick Chubb. Like, when Nick Chubb didn't exist, I really liked Carlos Hyde. I thought he was a top, you know, 18 running back this year. And now that sort of Nick Chubb got added to the mix, I pushed him down too far. Now I'm pushing it back up. Like it might be a little bit of confirmation bias from the preseason, but I think I should have just stuck to my guns on that one. I, I was never, yeah, I was never sure. Uh, uh, I'm with you 100 percent there. Nick Chubb after you know spending up on Hyde. Hyde looks great. I mean, watching game yeah. just just eye test. Hyde looks great in that offense. And be, I'll let you go uh, here, Wheeler, a little bit after you say your 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 piece here. What does this mean for Duke Johnson? 
is Chubb eating to Duke Johnson, or is Duke Johnson still going to be good? Is Duke Johnson a trade candidate? Um, what are your thoughts? Because this is like what, in a lot of ways, for the Browns, they've gone from bleak to oversaturated. Um, what do you think, Wheeler? I, my thoughts, Fag's thoughts were exactly what I would say on Hyde. You know, I was very high on him before the draft. As soon as they drafted Chubb, it was a committee backfield and I backed off, but looking at him in the preseason, he just looks like he has that confidence that the job is his. Like, <laughs> this rookie's not going to take my job. You know, like, it, it, he looks like the established veteran in that offense. Um, hey, but I actually know, think it can kind of, you talk a little bit more into the mic? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Sorry about that. Thank you. Is that better? Yeah, great. Right. Um. Yeah, so I, I think Hyde is good, definitely going to lead that backfield. I think Chubb only gets real run if Hyde goes down, which is a possibility. But uh, Duke Johnson is the third down back in that offense. I don't see his role changing a whole heck of a lot from last year. His touches will be limited some. Um, last year he was one of those my guys in that article we actually did together. Yeah. Um, and uh, it turned out well, but uh, it, it, he's just – you're going to have to take 20 to 30% off the top from him just because I believe Hyde is going to get a bulk of those touches. But I, I still think uh, Duke Johnson does have some value uh, in that offense. I just don't think you'll see Chubb at all, really, until unless Hyde goes down. So we've got, um, looking at your rankings right now, um, Wheeler, you've got Hyde sitting at 32. Um, is that a... Is that a it, should he be moving up for you? I'm, I'm going to yeah. look at quickly. Because I just think I test it. I agree. Like, I feel like he's looking so good. I've got him at 23. Um, where do you have him at, Stag Party? Not to put you on the spot. But it just looks pretty good for Hyde this year. And when you look at his ADP, I'm going over there. Sorry. Um, I've got Hyde at 27. 27. So all of us are... Uh, should we all be feeling like he needs to get a little bit more love? He just looks no, good. No, no, because the Browns? In, in that area, you still got to deal with the fact that he could lose third down work to, uh, you know, Duke Johnson. You still got to think that Nick Chubb's going to get, you know, maybe five to seven carries a game. So, you know, a three headed committee m- makes it hard to push a guy up into the top, 24 running backs you know you need to draft him as an rb3 to be safe uh in in sort of any sort of projected workload estimate fair enough and hi just so you guys know as far as the fantasy pros uh adp is at 30 here's a question i got for you guys tevin coleman and obviously got Devontae freeman tevin coleman sitting right now at 28 and Devontae freeman's at 12 what are your feelings, and I'll let you go, um, let's say first, uh, Wheeler, what are your feelings on the, uh, the Falcons' backfield right now? Are you, are you, have you been in on them? Are you staying away? Are they going to eat into each other? Is one guy going to – what are your feelings on the Falcons? Do you like Devontae or do you, do you like to wait and go, um, go in on Tab Cole? Uh, I like them both. I just haven't been buying a whole heck of a lot of them at – their prices uh again there's just other guys in the area 
that I generally get. Um, if either of them fall to me, I, I'm all over them. I like both of them, but uh, they just cut into each other enough that uh, you can't bank on that consistent week to week kind of play um, from either one of them. If you have kind of the combination of the two in best ball, you're fine, but then you're, you're paying a premium price for, you know, what could amount to RB one. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's as, especially with Tevin Coleman. I was thinking about that before the show. It's like, you have to rank him in the top 30 running backs because you know, he's going to end up there, but it, it's that predictability factor of he doesn't have guaranteed touches. So you can't move him up more and you don't want to move him down more because you know, he's going to eventually get those points. I think as an offense as a whole, they, they'll produce a lot more than they did last year. Um, just, to, I mean, if they complete some of those end zone targets that we talked about time and again to Julio, it, that'll open some things up in the ground game too. So you know, it, the, they were so close last year to being what they were the year before. They just couldn't put the ball in the end zone at the same rate. Totally. Thanks. You want to talk about uh, that backfield or I've got, if not, I can, I can throw you another one. I mean, I pretty much agree with, with the premise. You've got to rank them as a, t- you know, top you know, 25 to 30 running back because he's going to be just active enough uh, on a weekly basis and has upside should, you know, the other get injured. Uh, but I, I like the both. I think that offense is going to be a little bit better this season. I think they're going to score some more touchdowns uh, this season. So I expect a rebound from Atlanta altogether. In, in backfields that have a couple great players, you've got Derrick Henry and you've got Deion Lewis. Um, stag party. Tell me, tell me your feeling on, a, a, you know, a Derrick Henry and a Deion Lewis situation. And then I'm going to throw to you, uh, Wheeler. I'm going to throw the, we talked a little bit about it. I know you like Brita, but that McKinnon, Brita, and then now Al, uh, Alfred Morris. Uh, Stags, is it Derrick Henry? Is he going to get eaten into big time by Lewis? Or is Derrick Henry your friend at the in grass? Uh, he's getting eaten into by Lewis. Uh, I definitely think in sort of PPR leagues that Lewis is the guy to own. Um, but, you know, when when Derrick Henry isn't going in the third or fourth round and maybe he falls in your home league draft because he doesn't, you know, catch passes like uh, a traditional PPR back, I mean, you guys know I sort of have disdain for Derrick Henry. I drafted Derrick Henry this weekend. Like, what they, round? I think in the seventh round. So, oh god, I, I've done a bunch. Like, I've taken a bunch of players I don't like. I, I, saw, just, that. Right. I saw that tweet. You're like, I hate a lot of players on my team here, but here you go for my fans. Let me show you. Two. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, like it happens sometimes you know you think weird shit happens in drafts sometimes so you have to be um you know open to doing some weird things and you know i drafted derrick henry in the seventh and jamal williams in the sixth uh you know on a on a squad that 
you know, is pretty loaded at wide receiver and has Zach Ertz. So you, you got to be willing to be fluid, man. Like, love like take, water. Yeah. Not taking those guys just because you don't like them. It, 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 you know, it used to be something I did. Like, I used to cross guys off my draft list and have this do not draft list, never, never, never. But eventually, sort of ADP is one of the better prognosticators, you know, of fantasy success. So use the wisdom of the crowd. Use that ADP. And when a guy falls to you, you know, don't hesitate to scoop him up, no matter your feelings for him. I think that's uh, totally that's, agree with everything. Very well put. Very well put. Um, what do you think uh, on the on those other? Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to change it up for you. I hope you weren't doing too much prep. Mark Ingram is he suspended for three or four games? Four. Okay. Four. I know. I know Wheeler that you're a big fan of Kamara. You have um, your Kamara. Everyone's a big fan of Kamara, um, but you have Kamara as your fifth guy, uh, taking him over. You know, guys like Barkley and Fournette and Hunt. What are your feelings on that backfield after when Ingram comes back? Is Kamara just such an electric guy that Ingram's going to take a hit, or is there enough uh, food for everyone to eat? I honestly don't know how to read the situation. It, what really gets me is that they also have a bye week, week six. So uh-huh. you're missing them the first four weeks. And then maybe he comes in for a few carries week five. You know, he's got to get the rust off, but you're probably not going to want to use him week five. Then he's got to buy week six. So you're talking about waiting until week seven before you're starting them. So I mean, I don't think I have him in any drafts. He just hasn't fallen far enough for me to see the value of getting a guy week seven through the end of the season. Um, and when he comes back, you know, there's always been the, those rumors of animosity between him and Peyton. So does Peyton write him off like he did Willie Sneed? Um, I don't see anybody really coming in and taking the role of Ingram. I mean, Ingram's been a phenomenal back. I've loved him for years, but just the, the, the relationship he has with the coach doesn't seem to be on the up and up. Uh, you're not going to want to use him or feel con- confident using him until week seven. I've just really kind of been staying away. And it, it's a shame. He's one of those running backs like Hyde that in the beginning of the season I was high on, but you know, with everything that's going on. And I, I don't necessarily see Alvin Kamara taking Ingram's role. I, I think there has to be somebody else that comes in and takes that role. Kamara will get a little bit of the bump, but I don't think they're going to want to overuse Kamara either. I mean, you know, he, he he's it was a hyper-efficient back last year. There's no way he's going to be as efficient, especially if you overload him with more touches. Love it. Stag party, give me a bust. Give me a guy that you just are at all costs. He's sitting there even when he's five rounds later than you thought he would be. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're nearing the end of the show. We're going to close this thing out in the next hand, uh, next five, ten minutes. Um, I promise. Uh, let's, let's, I want to hear a bus from you that's sitting there. 
Doesn't even matter if he's coming at a hyper round value. You're not drafting him. Um, and maybe it's not because he's a bust and you think he's going to have a shitty season, but maybe it is. Well, who's the guy? I mean, I just told you, like, I drafted Derrick Henry. So, <laughs> like, I, who's the guy? Who's the guy that no matter what that, that you think that, that, that you're willing to draft, but you think is like, uh, I drafted him because he was a value, but he's still going to suck. Yeah, I got two guys. If you're thinking, go for it. Snag part of it. All right, so it's actually the two guys you mentioned before. If I who would I pick over Jordy? Uh, Pierre Garcon, I'm fading. Uh, he's just too old, and I, I feel as though they're going to go with the younger wide receivers in that backfield. He'll put up some good games, but I, I just don't. I'm staying away. I have him real low in my rankings. And the other one is um, Julian Edelman. Um, again, 34, had to use PEDs apparently to keep his body healthy. Um, Four-game suspension. You know, I, I know he's Brady's number one guy, but I, I just don't see him coming back and being the same old guy. Um, maybe it's just complete bias, but I, I, I've been fading both of those two completely. I like, I like that call. I like Adam when he gets back in, but he's again he's still not. I, I, I hear those the, those two calls a lot. Um, anyone you got? Uh, anyone you're thinking, Stag Party? I mean, like I don't know. I'll draft anybody, man. But I, I'm sort of. I don't think I have any shares of Jay Ajayi. Uh, Wheeler already talked about him as a guy he sort of liked, but. You know, my thought is it seems like Doug Peterson's going to use a little bit of everybody at running back. They have one of the deeper running backs tables in the league, and I think that's something that's going to continue because, you know, each of their backups sort of have special teams prowess. Um, you know, Ajayi's a guy who's been banged up a little bit this preseason as well uh, with the history of, you know, bone on bone in his knee. And outside of, you know, one stretch where he was absolutely fed touches in Miami, hasn't been hyper-efficient and, you know, was banged up and looked like he had a sort of hitch in his giddy-up uh, as soon as he was traded to um, Philadelphia last season. So it's just a lot of... Uh, just a lot of questions for me that I, he just hasn't ended up on any of my rosters. You know, a guy that I actually, this preseason that I've, and a, a player that I haven't really loved at all over the years, uh, Devin Funches. I feel like he could actually, um, sitting there right now, 36th wide receiver um, from Fantasy Pros going 88th overall. I feel like now that they've got DJ Moore, He's going to be – he's kind of going to be – he's going to change from being the shitty guy that's the number one wide receiver since they traded uh, away whatever um, uh, whatever his Benjamin. name is. Ben, yeah, Benjamin. To now I feel like he's actually going to be a value. And with Greg Olson back, I, I, I'm kind of liking Funches a little bit and where he's going. Uh and I still like DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore, who's going later, he's going 48th. 
I think DJ Moore, you see some of the some of the elusiveness and just the skill set that this guy's got at route running, at jukes, at speed, and, and, and football pads. And uh, he, he was the first wide receiver taken in this year's draft. Um, I like I like what I'm thinking on Funches, and I like DJ Moore. Uh, late round QB, uh, late round sorry, late round gem that I like. Um, I like Ross. Um, from the Bengals because I think there's some opportunities, but one who I really like is Tyler Boyd. I think Boyd's had a bad situation. He started the season off terribly last year. I think he got arrested and had some off-field issues. But now that they cut LaFell, who knows what's going on with uh, Tyler Eifert. They're talking about, I love Stegg's quote, couple weeks ago, like, they only won for 50 snaps. They only do 56 snaps. It's nothing. But I like Tyler Boyd. I think he's a player. Um, so that, that that's a guy that I'm kind of locking in on. He's had a good camp. Um, I, I like a late, late, late round flyer for me is opposite of A.J. Green. I think the Bengals are going to be a lot better this year. I think last year was just kind of an anomaly garbage season and I like AJ Green for this reason as well now you're getting AJ Green in early third round that's fucking amazing um I'm pouncing on that I like both AJ Green and Mike Evans on this but I like Tyler Boyd um and also I'm definitely uh digging Devin Funches um in where he's going you guys got any other dudes should we shut this party down throw up or forever hold your peace I'll throw um, out a couple of names. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just uh, just to throw out their names: Jamison Crowder. I like uh, uh, with Alex Smith, uh, feeding a slot receiver, and I think Chris Godwin this year on Tampa Bay is going to start to emerge. From what I, I understand, he's starting to beat out uh, Djax already. So I, I see a lot of targets ending up going Godwin's way. I like both those calls a lot. Stags, you got any guys? Any last any last stag party love? Uh I think buying Geronimo Allison isn't a bad idea. Um with either talk of Cobb being traded or banged up this preseason. Uh it hasn't been all rosy, it hasn't been sunshine and rainbows. So he looks like a guy who's gonna walk into ninety or a hundred targets and then the Aaron Rodgers led offense and is basically free. And I don't even like Geronimo Allison. We know that. (laughs) Okay, I love it. Corey Davis, wide receiver 28 right now. What are your guys' feelings on him? I just want to hear that because it's a guy that I'm digging. I'm looking right now and you're seeing – I'm going to mention two guys. Corey Davis, I want to hear about that, and Marquise Goodwin for San Francisco. We said – we, you know, you said, uh, Wheeler, you didn't love uh, uh, Pierre Garçon. We know the buzz with Marquise Goodwin has, has been pretty strong this camp, as has the Corey Davis buzz. Both those guys are sitting at end skis of wide receiver threes. I'll let you go first, Wheeler, if you don't mind. Um, Corey Davis, Marquise Goodwin, 28-29 wide receiver, what are your feelings on them? And then I'd love to hear a stag party as well. And then um, let's shut this party down. And I think this is a fucking awesome podcast. 
<laughs> cool. Um, yeah, Corey Davis is a guy I like. Uh, I've been getting here and there um, when he when he falls a little bit. Uh, he's in a range where there's a lot of other good targets around him, so I haven't gotten a ton of them, but I definitely don't shy away from him. Um, after watching him in that playoff game last year, I was highly impressed. That was, was actually uh, we were, we were watching that as we were doing our our first show together. So. Um, yeah, Corey Davis is a guy that uh, it seems as though they want to feature him as a wide receiver one. And even the, the guy that was rumored to get more targets in the offense, the Taewon Taylor, it doesn't look like uh, they've moved him up from the wide receiver four. Uh, Rashad Matthews hasn't, hasn't been in camp. So I, I, I expect them to feed Corey Davis. Um, Marquise Goodwin is a guy that uh, – I had good thoughts about early in the season, but he, he started to go in like the sixth round and I, I, there's no way I'm taking him out there. Um, I, I'm sure his ADP isn't that high, just probably certain drafts that I've seen, but he, he's just gotten a little bit too expensive for me. I will say that, uh, that I do have a little blurb here. Uh, Marquise Goodwin saw a catchable ball rate of only 53% of the targets. Uh, which was 84th out of 89 wide receivers and uh, had a 17.2 yard a dot for uh, and he was PPR wide receiver five with Garoppolo he had a 14.3 yard a dot and was wide a PPR wide receiver eight his catchable target rate jumped to 76 percent so and that was by Pat Thorman he threw that out there on Twitter so uh, he obviously has a connection with Garoppolo, so I think good things could, could and should happen with him. It's just that at this point, I think everybody else is on him a little bit more than I am. Yeah, I, sort of, yeah, I agree with those overall statements. Uh, I, I like Goodwin more than I like uh, Corey Davis. I think it's like 10 spots in my ranks. Uh, I prefer to take Goodwin. I, I love that connection. And I just think uh, it's going to work out. I'm also not, I don't think Garcon is dead, but that offense is just starting to shape up to where it, it's going to be a, a pass first team. And, and it looks good for Garoppolo because he pushes it down the field. But I think people's projections for Garoppolo are also insanity uh, with how they're you know, doing them. And that's the one thing, you know, I'm not, you know, too fond of, and it sort of pushes other people's ranks for these guys up a little bit and where they're willing to take them. Um, Corey Davis, you know, now that Richard Matthews is back on the field, back practicing off of, you know, the pup list already elevated past Taewon Taylor, uh, on the depth chart, um, I think Corey Davis still got some work to do. So he's not a guy I'm going to end up with in any of my drafts. People are just willing to spend a price that I'm not willing to, to get them. Um, and that's just sort of how it's been for me all off season. You still feeling uh last question I got for you. You still feeling the love for Mariota? Uh, I moved him down a couple spots. I think that offense is going to be a work in progress uh, if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't think it's going to be a quick, you know, one year makeover. Um, I, I think they're going to struggle for a bit, but you know, Mariota has so much upside as a runner that he could easily be a 
top five to ten, you know, quarterback option? Should they just allow him to, you know, run? Love it. I completely agree with that last that last statement, guys. This has been an awesome show. Love love talking fantasy football with you. Stag Party and Wheeler combining forces on a Pyro podcast. That's pretty awesome. Uh, love love both of your insight. Always, um, usually I'm uh, peeking it and uh, getting getting the feedback uh, on Twitter. Um, but this has been an awesome show. So thanks for uh, thanks for joining out Stag Party. Give uh, Wheeler a, a high five from Chicago to Baltimore. Um, and, uh, yeah, you guys are awesome, man. You guys are two of my favorite guys in the industry. So happy and privileged to have you guys both be uh, uh, a part of the Pyromaniac family. Um, good times. I mean, can you believe that in – Two days, a week from two days, we're going to be watching our Thursday night games, and then it's just a blur of just <laughs> the thing changes. All seasons, that's true. We do everything, and you're able to say what ifs and strategy, and this is about player, player. But in ten days, with player rankings being needed and matchups and everything, it's it, it's it's so funny how it's a, a tale of two cities. So. Um, Wheeler, love you, brother. So psyched that I texted you or, uh, or tweeted you literally an hour and a half before we recorded this show. I was like, hey, you want to jump on with Stag Party and I for a little calm before the storm, smorgasbord kind of show? And you're like, I waited. I'm sure you're busy. And I was like, ah, he's busy. He's not going to do it. And you're like, I'm in. I'm like, fuck yeah. So thanks, buddy. No, I really appreciate it. You know, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to episodes of different podcasts and just been like, man, why do you go solo? Why didn't you, you know, give me a call or something. So, uh, you know, I, I was exhausted. And when I got the message, I looked at it like, oh, man, of all nights. But, yeah, I, I couldn't have said no, absolutely not. Um, no, I really appreciate being on, you know, with you and Stags. It's been awesome. Um, got to get Deanie on with me one of these times. So we can get some contrarian views, you know? Next week, I'll take a break. <laughs> Done. <laughs> uh, oh, wait a second. Next week is going to be mayhem. I got to put in, you know, <laughs> the final school. rankings. And then, <laughs> yeah. no, I'll probably do it anyway, though. <laughs> Actually, next Tuesday, next Tuesday is the first day of school with kids back. So uh, oh, boy. I might yeah. be a little bit swamped next week. All good, all good. I was just busting balls anyways. <laughs> well, it was a good show. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk here soon. And thanks, everybody, for listening. My stomach is now hurting very much. I have to go pee. <laughs> you got to pee or you got to fill it? Because my stomach's hurting, and I bought a bunch of awesome meats over at H-Mart, and I'm going to throw on the, um, the skillet right now and get it going. <laughs> hey, guys. Nice work. Stag party. You're a machine. I love you, brother. Wheeler, you're you're a beast. I love you, too. This is Pyro Podcast, show 317. This is the calm before the storm. We've got fantasy football coming real time. And, uh, next week, you got drafts going on. You got, you, I hope you guys just enjoyed this show. 
hats off to you, you two fellas and hats off to everyone listening to us. We appreciate you spending the time with us. And as usual, the time with us runs long. So high fives all around. Love you dudes. Love you listeners. We're out.